Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word. Today we're going to talk about changing the atmosphere. Changing the atmosphere. And we're starting this series, and this is going to be two weeks, and I can already kind of tell that I'm, I don't know that I'm going to get done in two weeks unless y'all want to stay a long, long time. And so um, I, I'm already kind of jockeying for position to uh, share the service with Pastor Daniel when he gets back, that he can give a, uh, and I'm making it known here because he'll watch this later, um, but that way uh, he can come and, and give a, a full report of the goodness of God in the Philippines, and uh, then I can finish this up. Sound fair? You guys on my side or no? Um, I, I do not feel confident in this room right now. I'm telling you what. But that's all right. I've been against the odds before, and I've overcome. I believe I, that's right. I believe I'm an overcomer, all right? We're going to change the atmosphere, and we're going to talk about this. See, here's the thing, and I believe that we go through our, our life sometimes, and we've got our head somewhere else. Can anybody relate to that? We kind of got our head somewhere else. And I think that sometimes we look around and we say, well, I just sure wish things would change for me. Sometimes I'll, I'll see on some of your or, or others' social media pages, well, I just can't ever seem to catch a break. Well, when is my day going to come? Well, I believe it's our job not to just sit around and wait for something good to come to us, but we get up and take the bull by the horns and make something good happen. Amen? Praise God. I believe that it's our day to stand up and to say no more of the way this is. I'm not willing to live according to the status quo. I heard someone say one time that you'll change when the pain associated with the status quo is greater than the pain associated with change. Nobody loves change, right? But as the song says, a change will do you good, right? I said a change, right? You know you wanted to sing it, golly. You'll change when the pain that is associated with staying the same is greater than the pain that you associate with change. But every time that you change, it's uncomfortable. It gets you out of that place where you're in a rut. It gets you off of that road that you're used to being on. The other day I drove to Santa Fe, that, the day that it snowed a lot. So it was Tuesday, and, and I wasn't supposed to leave until 3 or 4 in the afternoon. I was going to get to Santa Fe late, but I could see the weather, and they were starting to close roads. And so I left really early, and then 
I decided that I needed to go a different route because they were closing 285. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't really like going a different way because it's, it's change. It's different. I don't know the roads here. I'm going to have to look at the GPS. I'm going to have to pay attention to the map. I'm going to have to focus. Don't you know that any time that you change, you've got to pay attention to the map? We've got to look and see where we're going so that we don't miss a turn. Well, I went that way, and uh, I went through Rio Doso and um, turned off just before Rio Doso and went up through Lincoln, and everything was, I mean, it was kind of snowy, but my gosh, it was beautiful. It was going to take me about 45 minutes longer, right, to go this way, and, and so um, I, and some of you guys know I, I have a new, a new Jeep. I have a, a Jeep Gladiator, Jeep truck, and I haven't really, Leroy's been on my case about getting it out and, and stop being so prissy with it and like actually be a Jeep, right? And um, so I, I've had this thing since June and I put it in four-wheel drive one time and it was just for fun. I didn't even need to. Um, but I was driving on this rocky road. I'm all, oh my gosh, I need four-wheel drive, but I didn't. Um, so anyway, I just put it in four-wheel drive for fun. So I'm driving and Roads are getting rough, and so I put it in four-wheel drive, and I'm cruising along, and I'm good, and other people are having some trouble. Then all of a sudden, I notice that it's just me and the snow plows on the road, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of nerve-wracking, and um, so then I realize that I have no cell service, which is even more awesome, um, but I've got a Jeep, and I'm cruising along, right? So it takes me just before Encino, New Mexico. Anybody ever been to Encino? You've been through there when you're going to Albuquerque or whatever. Just before Encino, it takes me off on uh, New Mexico 3. Now, it's not a big road. I don't know if anybody's ever been on it. But I'm like, well, that's what the GPS says. That's, that's what I'm going to do. So I turn off onto New Mexico 3, right? And it looks clear. It's wonderful. I'm cruising along. Roads are barely even wet. And it's only like 35 miles or so that I'm on New Mexico 3. So I cruise along. All of a sudden, I start to see some snow on the roads. It's cool. Then it gets down to one lane. And then the drifts on the side are like six foot on either side of me. And I'm, I don't have cell service. I hate the cold. I'm not very resourceful. This is, this is where I die. And um, so we're cruising along, right? And then this little bitty car. First of all, it made me feel like the biggest pansy in the world because this little bitty like red geo or something comes cruising towards me. Now we've got six foot of snow like on either side up like taller than me and one lane and I'm like in four-wheel drive, and she's all cruising along, and this Geo, right, coming towards me. I'm like, now what's going to happen here? I mean, nobody was cruising fast, so I don't know what's going to happen. So I find a spot that the snow's not as bad, and I kind of turn off the road, right, so I can, let, I can let her by. So I go to take off, and the wheels spin. I'm like, oh, my God, you have got to be kidding me. But you know what I did? I put that Jeep in four-wheel low, and I was like, and just got right out of the snow, and I was all, yeah, I'm 
just telling you. Like, first time, <sighs> I was so happy to be driving a Jeep, not my little Nissan or something that I used to. Anyway, I was pumped. I don't know what that had to do with anything. I just wanted to tell that story. It was not on my notes. Change. Change. Romans 12, verse 1. We're going to pull this up right here, right here, I think. Romans 12, 1. Excuse my chicken scratch here, but I like to do this to show you where I'm at. Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech. That word just means I strongly urge. I strongly urge. I'm begging you, my brethren, by the mercies of God. That literally means, and I love this, because God has done so much for us and he has shown such great mercy to us because God has been so merciful. My brethren, I urge you because God has been so merciful. What does mercy mean? Forgiveness by the one who has the power to judge. Forgiveness by the one who has the power to judge. See, God gives us forgiveness even though he has the hammer and can bring it down on us. He doesn't because he shows mercy to us. Brethren, because God has been so merciful to us, I urge you that you present your bodies. I want you to say, my flesh. Say it again like you really mean it and you really are into this service. My flesh. I want you to present, I urge you to present your flesh a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now this is contrary to what we think sometimes because we think my flesh is just broken. My flesh is a mess. My flesh is full of sin. Well, it's just my flesh that does this. But my spirit is hooked up with God. But it says here, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. How am I going to present my flesh acceptable when my flesh is a hot mess 99% of the time? Because of God's mercy. Because of God's mercy, you are holy and you are acceptable. So say that, because of God's mercy. Okay, I don't want to have to keep saying it twice every time, all right? So first time, because of God's mercy... I am holy and acceptable. Amen. It says, this is your reasonable service. Now, I have to admit, as I was meditating on this scripture this week, I really felt like in my spirit that where it says, brethren, by the mercies of God, that it should say, by the grace of God. Now, there's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is the one who has the power to judge, not judging you, or you not getting what you deserve, right? But then grace is you getting what you don't deserve, so it's not the fact that God is not judging us. Not only is he not judging us, he's pouring out his blessings on us. That's grace. That's the grace. It would be easy for God to say, well, I'm just not going to judge you because 
because I judge Jesus. I'm just not going to judge you, but I know what you did. And so you're getting a gift right here by me not laying the smack down on you every single day. So you consider yourself lucky. But that's not what he does. See, grace says, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. And I'm going to go ahead and provide healing for you in Jesus. Even though you didn't deserve that, you should have just been happy that you don't have to die for your sins. But I, I, I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to provide healing for you. I'm going to provide peace for you. I'm going to provide restoration for you in Jesus. Amen? That's great. I felt like this should say grace, but it doesn't. And I can't change the Bible. And I also have to trust that it probably says what God meant it to say, not what I think it should say. And so when I read it, okay, it says mercy, so God, uh, show me this. I think this is an important aspect that I learned a long time ago in Bible study, that if you don't understand something, say, God, I don't get this, you're going to have to show it to me. So of everything that I know of God, I felt like this should say grace. It says mercy. God, maybe I'm missing something. If I'm missing it, show it to me. If I'm not, explain it to me to where I don't think it should say that. I understand what it says. So last night, I'm doing laundry. Anybody ever do laundry? Don't raise your hand if you don't. Everybody raised your hand. I, I always do laundry, all right? So... Do you ever play that game where in the morning, <laughs> we're being real, right? In the morning, you go through, you dig through the basket, you find your chonies or whatever you need, right? And everything else goes on the bed. And then when you get home later on, everything goes from the bed back into the basket. Anybody ever play that game or is it just me? It's just me? Golly. Man. Y'all are judging me right now, aren't you? Oh, my gosh. It says, thank you. Thank you. Can I get a witness in the house? <laughs> Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So last night, I'm doing laundry, and I'm meditating some more on this scripture because I know that I've got to bring it to you today. This was what God said. This is your theme scripture. This is your text. But I don't even get it fully. So, and I, I've studied this scripture many times for many different things, but I just wasn't getting that. When I looked up the word reasonable as I was doing laundry last night, I looked it up and I click on it on my concordance on my iPad, and I see in the middle of that Greek word, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the Greek word, some people do that, I don't, I, you probably know more about it than I do. My, my iPad does a really great job with Greek. So I click on it, and in the middle of that word, I see the word L, the, the letters L-O-G-O. And I know that the word logos in the Greek, or L-O-G-O-S, means the word. And so I see that word in the middle, so I click on this word is derived from two different words. So when I click on it, one of the things that this word for reasonable contains 
is the word logos. So I immediately, by the Spirit of God, go to John chapter 1 where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14 it says, and the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. Who is the personification of the grace of God that was all wrapped up in Jesus, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection? So look at this. Inside of the word reasonable is the word word and the word word was used in the book of John to describe Jesus who is our grace. Amen. Praise God. That was more exciting than you guys gave it credit for. Man, I am pumped. So here's what it means. And maybe so here's what it means. I'm to present my body because of God's mercy, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And the reason why? Because it is my grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Because Jesus is my grace. And that's why I can present my body to God a living sacrifice. That's why I, because God didn't give me what I deserved, but he gave me Jesus. And Jesus gave me all the things that I did not deserve. Why is it reasonable for me to do that? Because Jesus is Logos, and he has transformed me or changed my atmosphere. He's changed my atmosphere. Amen? Amen. Then it says, and do not be conformed to this world. Conform means to be molded by the era. Some people would say, and I've heard this preached in church a lot of times, we don't want to be conformed to the world, so we ought to not be dressing like the world. We're not supposed to be conformed to the world, so you don't need to be listening to that secular music. And anything like that always has a double standard attached. I see the boycotts, right? We need to boycott this and boycott that, and, but there's always a double standard involved. I don't believe that this is talking about how we dress or what we watch. Or See, I think all of that comes with a revelation of who Jesus is in us. I believe all of that and those parameters that are set on you come from your relationship with him, not from me. And we've done too much of that in the church. But I believe here, when he says, don't conform to this world... Don't be molded by the way this era does things. We just prayed for unity in our country, but the era says that you pick a side and you hate the other. The era says that we look for acceptance in how many hearts we get on our fake post. Right? The era says that we run to all kinds of sources and solutions on how we should live our life. But I'm not conformed to the era. I'm not conformed to this age. I'm transformed by the renovation or the renewing of my mind. And I like the word renovation there because the word renovation carries the connotation that I'm not building it from the ground up. I'm renovating it. Everything that I need is already here. It's already on the inside of me. 
And so I'm transformed or I undergo the process and I'm not trying to get all like biology on you or anything like that. I, I, disclaimer, I got a D in biology, all right? It's the worst class, the, the worst class I ever had. Be transformed or undergo the process of metamorphosis in my life. It's the same word there as be transformed. So when you think about that process, when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, I'm sorry if I explain this extremely poorly. I'm telling you guys, this is definitely not my strong suit. I'm not giving a lecture here. But when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, everything that it needs is contained in it. And it's transformed. See, when we're transformed by renewing our mind, everything that we need is contained in us. Everything that we need to carry this out is contained in us. We just need to be transformed or to undergo the process of change. And you do this so that you may prove what is a good and, it's a second time, acceptable and perfect will of God. See, before you were presenting your body to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, the first thing you have to do is understand that you're accepted. You have to understand. It doesn't matter. See, we're not conformed to the age of this world. I like to say this a lot, that if, if there's not a video, it didn't happen. Right? Somebody says, some, if it's, there's not a video, if you didn't post about it, it didn't happen. Right? And that's, that's the age of this world. That's how we, but it says don't be conformed to this world. How do you know you're accepted? I know I'm accepted not because my Instagram says I'm accepted. I know I'm accepted because God says I'm accepted. And once I come to that revelation of who Christ is in me, then it doesn't matter what my Snapchat says. I present myself to God holy and acceptable because that's who he says I am. And there's an opportunity to prove it. Because once you do that, then you can undergo the process of changing or transforming your atmosphere and you can prove to everybody around that I'm an acceptable sacrifice to God. But the first thing that has to happen is you have to know you're an acceptable sacrifice to God in spite of what anybody else says. We're going to dig deeper into this. I know that's a lot that we just kind of dropped right there. You have to know. See, the thing is that many times we go about, and I have to say a little disclaimer here. I wrote this down like on Sunday of last week. And then I saw that some of you guys posted a message from I don't know how old it was, or I think it was probably from this last week, but I, I saw it shared two or three times of this, uh, this pastor that you may have heard of named Stephen Furtick. Now, Stephen Furtick said almost verbatim what I'm about to say, but I wrote it down before he said it. So I think that he is in cahoots with Russia or something and hacked my iPad I was like, you just stole my thunder, man. Golly. But I'm here to tell you this. And so is Stephen Furtick. And ultimately, God is here to tell you this. 
that a lot of times we are looking for God to change our environment. But God is trying to change our heart. And he's saying, if I can change your heart, then you'll change your environment. Amen? See, God is in the business of working from the root. And if you haven't changed those attitudes and situations in your life, then your atmosphere is not going to change. You may be up on the mountaintop for a minute, but you're going to go right back down to the valley because you haven't changed on the inside. But he wants you to go through that process of metamorphosis in your life where what you have on the inside of you begins to come out. God is saying, I would go ahead and change your job situation. I would give you that promotion that you need, but you're still stuck in an ungrateful, unthankful attitude. You're not content with where you're at. And I could change it, but in like six months, you're going to be right back in that very same place where you were before, complaining about your boss, and you're not having enough, and you can't get that promotion, and nobody understands the value of what I do around this place every single day. But you need to understand who you were for and that's God is who you work for amen hallelujah he sees he knows he can promote you you change from the inside out what about this you sit in that in your house lonely saying man I really wish God would bring me that relationship right I really wish God would bring me that relationship. But the thing that you don't understand is God saying, you're putting all of your trust in that sugar daddy that you're hoping comes along, right? And you're not understanding that I'm your everything, that I'm your source, that I'm your hope. And whenever you understand or you begin to open your eyes and see that he's not everything you wanted him to be... (laughs) Because you were trying to make it happen, right? And you just want God to pick up the pieces over and over again. God, I just want a financial breakthrough. God, I just want that breakthrough. But you won't honor him at that which is least. And if you won't honor him with that which is least, why is he going to make you ruler over much? You need to undergo change in your life. You need to undergo metamorphosis in your life. You need to understand that I'm accepted by God right here. And if I'm accepted by God, then all that I have is His. Hallelujah. All that I have is His. It reminds me of the children of Israel. They walked around in the wilderness for 40 years, griping, complaining. What did God do for them every single day? Manna from heaven. Every day, manna from heaven. Then they started griping about the manna. We have to eat this stuff again? In order for them to get into the promised land, they had to have a change of system. They had to have some of the old way of doing things die off so that they could get into the promised land. They had to cross the Jordan River, which is a symbol of God descending down on them. They had to come to that place where they were nothing and God was everything. And once they came to that place, they were able to cross over into the promised land. See, God's blessing for them was not in the wilderness and his blessing was not the manna. His blessing was the promised land. But the goodness of our God says that I'll sustain you in the wilderness, even if it takes 40 years, because I'm not going to leave you. 
See, we have this picture of God sometimes that if we don't uh, dot our I's and cross our T's, then he's just going to leave us alone. He didn't leave them alone. He said, I'm going to give you manna. I'm going to make sure you're fed. I'm going to make sure you sustain. But man, I would rather you be in the promised land, not in the wilderness. I need you to change. If you're going to get to the promised land, I need you to change. If you want to go beyond the status quo, I need you to change. God's best was not the wilderness. He will always sustain you. But your blessing is not the manna. Your blessing is in the promised land. Hebrews 11.6. I told you I was going to run out of time. Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith. You guys say without faith. Without faith. Without fa- that was so much better. Oh, my gosh. So good. Without faith. It is, say it, impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know what's awesome? That word please is the same word as we see for acceptable in Romans chapter 12. Without faith, it is impossible to be acceptable to him. Because he who comes to God must believe that he is. He who comes to God must believe that he is and must believe that he is a rewarder. You say it, a rewarder. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now, that word rewarder, I'm sorry, that word he is is singular, meaning the only one. He who comes to God must believe that he's the only one for me. He must believe that he's my all in all. He who comes to God, if you want to please him, it's not he who comes to God must attend church every single week. Though it's not bad to attend church every single week, you should It doesn't say that he who comes to God must give X amount in the offering. It doesn't say he who comes to God must go to Guatemala with Pastor Jason to see if he's lying about how good it is. It doesn't say he who comes to God must do X, Y, Z. It says he who comes to God must believe that he's the only one for me, singular, and that he is rewarder. Now, when I see the word please here, the word acceptable, any time that the language please God is used in Scripture, it's used only when referring to Jesus or to man's understanding that their reliance is on him. It's the only place it's ever used. So when we talk about pleasing God, it's very clear We see it talked about that Solomon understood that he was nothing and God was everything. This is the richest dude that ever lived on the history of the earth. He understood that God was everything and he was nothing. And when he came to that realization, the scripture says that pleased God. Enoch. Enoch is is the only person that ever, besides Jesus, that did not die. Enoch was translated to heaven. 
And it says that Enoch was translated to heaven because he pleased God. He pleased God because he understood that it wasn't about him, that it was about Jesus. And then every other time, the scripture says in Isaiah that it pleased God to bruise Jesus. Anytime that we see that something pleased God, now it says things like please the king or we hope that God is pleased. But anytime that the scripture specifically says this pleased God, it's always referring to either Jesus pleased God or someone understanding that their reliance was on him. So when it says without faith, it's impossible to please God, that tells me without believing that Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection is enough, without that, it's impossible to please God. Without understanding that Jesus paid it all. And when I say all, I mean all. So as long as I'm holding something back, as long as I'm putting my reliance in something else, then I'm not pleasing God. Because without faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made, it's impossible to please God. Because he that comes to God must believe that God is singular, that he doesn't share his throne with anybody else. And that means in my life, he's got to be the top. And I have to believe that his grace has been poured out on me and that he is a rewarder of those who come from a place of desire. I think we get hung up sometimes on this word diligently. This word diligently and we think, oh, well, maybe I'm not diligently seeking him. I think that's very subjective and I don't think that this scripture is subjective. I think it's easy to say, well, I must not have been diligent enough. That's why I'm not seeing the blessings of God. So when you look up this in your study and you see diligently seek him, those three words together are combined into one word. We made it three words. So when it says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, he's saying those that come from a place of desire to follow God. That's simple. I have a desire to follow God. Man, I may not do everything right. In fact, I know for sure I don't do everything right. I jack things up all the time. I try my best. But I come from a pure heart. Without faith, it's impossible to please him because he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he pours out his grace on those that come from a place of desire. Amen? Praise God. Paul said it this way. I have been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. But it's not I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. But the life that I now live in the flesh, there's that word again, the flesh. I want to challenge you today to stop using your flesh as a crutch. Oh, that's just my flesh talking. Stop using your flesh as a crutch. David said, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Paul said that the life I now live in the flesh, not my spirit, but the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Well, that's just my flesh. Well, Paul's flesh was aligned with the things of God. David's flesh was aligned with the things of God. Romans, Paul writes in Romans that we can present our body or our flesh a living sacrifice to God, and that's accepted. So stop using your flesh as a crutch. 
He said, the life that I now live, how do I live it? By faith in the Son of God. That pleases God. I live this life by faith in the Son of God because he loved me and he gave himself for me. For me. I want to go through these three things and I'm going to be done and I'm going to explain them in detail next week, but I don't have time to do that. Steps to changing your atmosphere. This is what we'll start with next week. Number one, step to changing your atmosphere. Changing the atmosphere, and we get this from Scripture in the book of Luke chapter 5. Changing the atmosphere requires you to obey in spite of what you think will and won't work. Changing the atmosphere requires you to obey in spite of what you think will and won't work. Number two, changing the atmosphere requires you to present yourself as vulnerable in order to reach potential. We don't like that one. Changing the atmosphere requires you to present yourself as vulnerable in order to reach potential. Number three, changing the atmosphere requires you to never look back. Jesus said, follow me, let your nets down, and from now on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And from that moment on, the disciples, they dropped their nets. The Bible says they forsook them. They had forsaken their old way. They said, that's not the way for me, and I'm going to follow Christ. Changing the atmosphere requires you to never look back. I'm going to close with this, and we can have the team come up. This message came to me, came to my, my spirit the end of 2019. And to be real personal and change requires you to be vulnerable so you can reach your potential. Vulnerability is not something that I like. I don't think it's something anybody likes. Those of you who know me well, and, and most of you have known me for a long time, I'm pretty stubborn, bullheaded, strong-willed, and for about a, a year or a year and a half, um, I've been struggling with with depression. And it's something that I haven't struggled with in, I don't know, 15 or even longer than that, 17, 18 years. And it's something that I, I know when it's coming on. I know I can feel it. I've overcome it once. We can go ahead and pull these lights down too. I've overcome it. When I was in college, I battled with depression. It almost ruined me. And since then, any time it began to come on, I knew what I needed to do. And I would do it, and I was diligent to do that. And I wasn't always the first week, or sometimes I was just kind of stubborn. But it's never something that took hold of me. I remember, this is maybe October of 2018, We were working late at night to, to build my dad's office, Pastor Daniel's office over in the, the offices, and we needed to do that. And um, my, my business rents 
um, the back half of the, the office building from the church. Rents. Just so you know that. At a, really at an inflated price. But that's by my choice, not anybody else's. We would rather give our money to the church than, than somebody else. We were working on that, and, and we were building him an office up front. And I was really feeling just down. And I remember standing in there, and, and I had podcasts just flooding my mind and singing worship music, and I was immersing myself in the Word of God, and I would feel better for a couple of days, and then I wouldn't. And I would do it again, and I was trying to be consistent and, and all the things that I know to do. I'm not a super emotional person, and, but it was around Christmas time, and I was working in the classroom back here on some stuff, and I was by myself, and I don't know what came over me. I haven't, I haven't told this story only to a couple people. I don't know what came over me, but I, I just felt overwhelmed and hopeless, and I just sat in there by myself, and it's not like anything bad even happened, and I just sat down, and I was just sobbing uncontrollably. I thought, pull your head out. My gosh. Get control of yourself. So I put on worship music, and I began to, to sing praises, and I, I felt better for a little bit. And over this, this last year, over 2019, it's not anything I could shake. I just couldn't get past it. Just over and over again. And 2019 was hard for us. On multiple levels, but this is something that I just kept inside of me. And I didn't talk about it because I was strong enough to beat it. But it was affecting everything. It was affecting my marriage, my family. It become impossible to live with. And it's not anything I wanted, and I, I didn't want to react the way that I was reacting, and I didn't, I didn't want to be that way. But I wasn't being honest. I wasn't being vulnerable. I was trying to fix it. So right at the end of the year, I made an appointment to go see a doctor and see what was up. Well, I was stubborn. Tiffany made me an appointment and I, I agreed to go. Let's be real. But I was supposed to go and get some blood work done first and, and I hadn't done it and it wasn't because I was it was because I was putting it off. It's not because I was intentionally, it just wasn't priority. And we're driving around and it's like two days before the end of the year. 
We're driving around doing some errands, and Tiffany and I started talking. And for the first time, I was open and honest about everything that was going on. And we drove around the same block like 20 times. I'm surprised the cops weren't called on us. Hey, there's this creepy red truck driving around. We drove around and we cried and because I knew something had to, had to change. And that's when the Lord began to speak to me because I was finally open about changing the atmosphere. And he said to me that I have to change for my family I have to change for you, for the people that he has entrusted me to lead, I have to change. And when I begin to see, and this is no exaggeration, when I begin to see by the Spirit of God that I had to change first in line was my family. I had to change for them. And then after that, and I begin to see your faces. The pain of the status quo became less. It became more than the, the pain of the change. So I went to the doctor. They looked at my blood work and we had some things that needed fixed. And it's, not some, it's not uncommon. It's not anything that anybody else hadn't gone through. I'm just stubborn, which is probably not uncommon either. But And I kid you not, whenever we started this thing, they told me it'll be six to eight weeks before you'll have a noticeable difference. But within like two days, I began to notice a difference. And the way I acted and reacted and my head was clear for the first time in a long time. I remember I was standing here with Jasmine and Jasmine said something that just by the Spirit of God and I don't know if you even knew it but she said by the Spirit of God all you had to do was to show that you were willing and give God something to work with and then the supernatural kicked in and it gave supernatural results and I say that for a couple of reasons today. First of all, I understand that I put myself out there on the line and maybe that vulnerability leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I don't know. But I say that because I really believe that we're family. And I want you to know
that I'm not preaching anything that I'm not willing to do myself. But this gospel is too important to me. This message is too important to me. To sit back and to try to act fake while I'm ripped up on the inside is too important. And the second reason I say it is because I want you to know that you're not the only one who goes through a struggle. That you're not the only one that as we're talking today about being sustained and but then going into the promised land that have just been in a cycle of just getting by and just being sustained. You're not the only one that's stubborn. You're not the only one that sometimes feels broken. But I want you to know that if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. And God will do it for you. And we walk this thing out together every single day. So I want you to do what it takes because it's worth it. I don't know what that means for you, but I want you to do what it takes. want to go to the promised land. I'm going. But I want you to come with me. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that very quickly today. Today is a day of salvation. You have the opportunity today to transform from darkness into light. So if that's you today and you want to receive Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. I just want you to say this after me. And I'm going to ask everybody in here, and if you're watching online, I want you to say it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. See, we're a family in here, and we don't have to do anything alone. So say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. and We've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that.
Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 